We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Podcast. Newcastle United won Crystal Palace nil on an excellent afternoon at St. James's Park, results-wise anyway. Um, Newcastle currently find themselves before the Sunday fixes sixth in the Premier League, uh, which bizarrely puts us at odds with Mark Lawrenson's prediction table, which has his bottom. But, um, you know, I'm not possibly suggesting that Mark Lawrenson doesn't know what he's talking about, uh, you know, or to any of his pals, the likes of Merson, etc., who do the predictions. Sai, how big a win is it for Newcastle? Um... Massive, massive win. It, 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 it shouldn't be. It should have been a, a you know a textbook win against a shite Crystal Palace team, but we saw that they beat Chelsea last week. We also know what we're like in terms of if there's a game that we're just meant to win. Normally we don't win it, so it was really refreshing to, to see we just get the three points in the bag for change and not have any, not really have any problem with it. Um, so it's massive, sixth in the league, um, and it kind of makes up now. I think if you. Obviously, on one hand, if we'd just got something at Brighton and Huddersfield, who knows where it could be. But on the whole, if you look at just all of our performances so far, it's really, really encouraging. Like over the over the space of the nine nine games, it's nine it's games, an ex- excellent excellent start. Um, we've only conceded eight eight goals. Like it's just it's just unreal. Really pleased. Yeah. Um. <laughs> lots of uh, lots of enthusiasm here today from the lads. No one hanging. Yeah. Uh, it's a long day and night after the match, but. I don't know, is there another city, do you think, that just gets us pissed when the football team wins? Like, a good hour and a bit after the game yesterday, we were still trying to get in pubs that just weren't absolutely yeah. rammed. We we tried some just ridiculously rogue shouts, like Charles Gray, because we're like, no, we've got the Charles Gray yeah, rammed. Absolutely rammed. No one will go to this mental one in the case I went to, rammed. <laughs> uh, the whole city's just collectively been on it since five, whatever, five o'clock yesterday afternoon. Um... Ben, you know, we, we were obviously all at the game together. Uh, wasn't it? Wasn't a good. I'm not. Really, I was going to say it wasn't the best game. It was not a good game of football. Uh, does it matter? No, no, it doesn't. But obviously, we'd would much rather go there and, and see we're taking a team of of Palace's ability apart. Um, but a lot of things have to click for for that to happen, and obviously, it didn't. I mean, I think you you've, we're in the Premier League. Most teams are good enough. To, to be able to stop the other team from playing it's it's like the the standard thing you need to be able to do at, at that level so you, you have to appreciate there's going to be a lot of games where a team just comes to to try and grind out a point which they they need all the points they can get at this stage after the start they've had so what I wasn't surprised by the standard of the game I think it's two teams that probably do the best work counter-attacking when they're 
um, they're not having to sort of take take the game to the, the other team and um, it was a very similar game again to the to the the other um, games we've had this season of, of sort of opposition that uh, that standard in Brighton um, Swansea to an extent uh, the Huddersfield game so um, it was was very tight it was always going to be if if there was a goal that was going to be the difference maker and I think um, we but having said that I think we shaded it and we, we deserved to to well out of the two teams if anyone was going to nick it there was only going to be one team that could do it yeah and Palace lined up with a I know this sounds a bit strange, but a very defensive four four two. We were in the pub before the match talking about, you know, surely Hodson will not play only four in midfield like he did against Chelsea last week. But it's, it's almost like a four six formation. And then Townsend and Zahar um move into more attacking positions when they've got the ball. Um so they were really I mean, to be fair to Palace under Hodson compared to the kind of mess he took over, they are very well drilled. Um they are very organised and it was really hard to break them down and as you alluded to Ben um, their threat is the counter-attack and I think that's one of the reasons we saw us in the first half particularly kind of willing to play their game almost of of very you know lack of um, urgency getting forwards or a lack of um, you know willingness to move a lot of men ahead of the ball that was because Palace's only, only threat really came from would, would come from counter-attacks and did come from counter-attacks and you know, they didn't have a shot on target yesterday. Rob Elliott did well in the first half to get down and stop a, cross, a ball going across the face. But apart from that, he had absolutely nothing to do. Spironi at the, at the other end didn't have much to do. He had to make a couple of saves from um, Diarme and Shelby. But overall, that this, this win puts us 11 points clear at Palace. It's a big gap after nine games, 11 points. And, you know, the, with the games we've got coming up against um, Burnley and Bournemouth in particular... You'd, you'd really like to be going into uh, late November because um, there's an international break as well to come um, after those two, I think. You'd really like to be going into those uh, the games in late November quite far away from the relegation zone. And yeah, it wasn't a great game to watch by any means, but I don't know, Sai, I just felt that once that goal went in, in the seat, like in, in the upper Gallagher way, we were in Block V, like it was basically akin to Norwich at home, the celebrations last season, like everyone just went absolutely nuts. Do you know why we were going as nuts? Because you just knew we'd win the game. Yeah. There was no way um, that team, our team, um, were going to let Palace back into that. Um, and it's almost like Sai alluded to before, the uh, the fact we've only conceded eight goals in nine games. You know, we haven't played any of the supposed, I mean, well, to- the top six. Home. I was going to say away from home. Oh, right. Not that I think we're going to get done yeah. three and four nil, but obviously you have to you have to play those games to prove that point. Um, it's you know Norman. I think Norman said in his uh, or side did you say in your match preview that teams who concede about the one goal a game mark are normally champions. Yeah. Not that I'm saying we're going to be champions this season. Golf Crooks is very much saying that. Yeah, if you only concede one goal a game, you tend to finish in the top three or less. Um, so we're on, we're on very good, very good form so far defensively. I thought we we're excellent defensively. Um, I didn't really, I didn't even notice. I've just been looking. Three of the lads got booked. Three of the defence. I had no idea that happened. Lascelles, oh, Lejeune, and I think, did Marino get booked? Marino as well. Yeah, Marino. Yeah. Manquilla uh, did. Manquilla. Yeah. Manquilla's was a farce. I thought. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely right. They they had no shots. Did they have a shot? I think Townsend hit one just over, but that's yeah. that's it. Um, and they had that, which made it on the highlights because there was no one else to show the 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 sort of cross from Zaha that that Elliot picked up. Like, 
It was. It, I mean, I, I don't know what it was like to be at the match if you weren't pissed. I was pissed, so I was really enjoying it, even though it was, looking back, quite a bad game. So <laughs> it's an advert for having a few more points for the game when you know you're playing someone like Palace. But, um, yeah, I think I think over the course of the season, we've, we've, we've done... We've done what we need to do. Like West Ham, we took them apart, as you say, Ben. It's nice to see us take teams apart, but I think I think Rafa did the right thing in respecting Palace. They had Zaha back, who is a threat. Townsend's a threat. We couldn't just go gung ho and expect to tear them apart because they've got Hodgson in. He's he's reorganised them, and it just it was just had to be another one of those games where we, we worked really hard and and got the goal that we deserved. But um, I don't think it's 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 fair to get frustrated at that. I was, I was pleased, but again, I was pissed. So it was really enjoyable. I think just on on that point, I think it's important uh, where where we are realistically the the ambitions we've we've got first and foremost to stay in the division. You need to be keeping yourself in games, and we've talked about this a, a number of times. I think on the podcast already, but we're we're staying in these games. We're giving ourselves opportunities to nick points here and there, and that's the most important thing. You'd would have been a travesty to, to drop all three points in that game yesterday. It never that that never occurred to with the way we, we set the team out, and I think that's the way Rafa's gonna. Build, build the team and, and sort of build the plan on the back of just remaining games and just sort of keep it as tight as possible and, and just wait for our quality to shine. Um, and we've got some players in the team that, that can do that. Yeah. Um, in in terms of uh, in terms of the kind of kind of game it was, it it's almost it's it's another box ticked because if you look at the West Ham and Stoke games, were excellent in both of those games. I know Stoke could have nicked a point at the end, but we fully deserved to win those games. We created post, like loads of chances. I thought two two one and three nil didn't reflect our dominance in those games. Um and obviously Swansea away is again it was a, a close game. We could have scored more, they could have scored but Particularly at home, it's almost nice to win one of those scrappy games, which a lot of people on social media have been correctly pointing out. We'd have uh, would have lost those in the McLaren. Lost that game in the McLaren yesterday. Um, would have lost that game on the Pardew and the Carver, etc. Um, <clears throat> because the regardless of what people in the media say, the crowd stayed with the team yesterday. Um, there was no grumbling. There was no negativity. I mean, obviously, we're in a very you know, specific part of the ground for for stuff, but it, it I really couldn't hear anything from the the rest of the crowd. Kind of people knew that, you know, if it was going to be a point, if that's all it was, then fine, we're going to continue the run. Now that's one defeat, I believe, in seven Premier League games, uh, which came at Brighton. So one defeat in seven games is fantastic form for a, a newly promoted side, and um, you know, long may it continue. We're, we're now going to Burnley in a, in a big game because Burnley are in and around us in this top half of the table and you kind of feel that whoever wins that game will have a great chance to kick on uh, for the rest of the season and kind of cement their place in that top 10. It's still early, early doors, we're still not a quarter of the way through the Premier League season yet, but certainly very, very promising signs. Um, ben and Sai, I'll, I'll put it to you both, uh, team selection-wise yesterday, there's only kind of one thing which maybe raised eyebrows slightly and that was the selection of, of Hayden uh, ahead of Marino. Um, I, I put a, a question to the to the listeners on Twitter just this morning. Uh, it was an I think it was an eighty five percent win for um, Marino must start every single home game. Where do you stand on that one? Um, I, I agree. I, I do think um, Marino should be starting. He's just a more all round player. Um, gives us a more complete uh, performance than than Hayden, who at times I mean he has showed in the past that he can contribute getting forward but he just seems reluctant to do it and and I don't know if that's just the role he's being asked to play or if it's just he he's, he's maybe the confidence of 
of playing in the team. He's he's not. He's more concerned about his defensive um, sort of a uh, role to role to play. That he's 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 just sort of stifling his creativity a bit in terms of, of pushing on. Um, and I don't think. I, I mean, he he has his part to play. Don't get us wrong. I think he was probably one of our our sort of most consistent players last season. Brilliant. He's uh, still fairly young. Um, and definitely a player that's got a role to play, but I just feel um, Marino and Shelby give us the best chance of winning games um, as well. I mean, I was looking at the stats. You you don't really lose a lot with Marino in 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 that team. If if you're saying Hayden's in there to do the defensive role, well, actually Marino's stats are, are better than Hayden. They've both played in all uh, all nine games. Um, obviously, they've they've sort of started. I think they started around the, the same number as well. Um, Marino's made more tackles and more interceptions than Hayden has, so I think you can um, <laughs> he can do that defensive role if needs be. And I think one of the biggest things is his height as well. He's really good in the air, so I actually think Marino's probably a better holding midfielder than, than Hayden. Yeah. So I think if you were going to be sort of doing it on that basis, then you you can definitely make the argument that Marino still gets in the team ahead of Hayden. Yeah. Um, but also just just his passing and technical ability is just much much better. So for me, I would say um, you've. You, Marino should be getting his start. I think as well. One thing I noticed when he came on, um, obviously he came on in the I think about the sixtieth minute or so. He, he, his first few touches were like he he misplaced a pass. I think there was a couple of moments where you just felt like he's he's obviously just getting up to the speed of the game. Like a player that good, like he, he probably will take a little bit just getting used to the the pace of the game or the the, the style, and you just feel like. <laughs> if it's going to take him a few minutes to get to that, then just put him on from the start and give him the best opportunity to to, to come on and 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 do his best. But having said that, it's it's a great impact to have coming off the bench. I uh, I mean I think I think we've got to remember that he's he's twenty one, twenty one year old player as as is Hayden or is he twenty two now? Either way, they're both very young and I think they will both have to share some of the responsibility. You can't have either of them really playing at home starting every game. It's going to need to be that's it's good to have the luxury of. Of, of a choice there because they're both very good players when, when they're on the on form I do think I think Rafa said after the game that Marino likes to get forward a bit more and that's why he kind of thought I'll stick with Hayden in, in the Holden mid role just, just to see what these have got and then when he realised actually they've gotten out he's, well, we might as well just get, get Marino on because I think he knows that he's probably the better midfielder as it stands but I can understand the cautious approach and kind of you know what you're going to get from Hayden he's, he's, he's used to that that job now he's been here over a year and he's just um, he's, he's Probably the more defensive of the two. I know. I know what you're saying. Marino's capable of winning the ball back, but he's clearly good at getting forward, and I think we'll see a bit more of that now. But um, yeah, I, I think that's the only argument for Hayden's keeping his place in them sort of games where it's going to be tight. He's a bit quicker as well, isn't he? He's he's, he's a bit uh, better at filling in in the fullback positions and sort of doubling up with the fullbacks to to help sort of the the crosses coming and things like that. Whereas Marino, probably a bit bit slower, but maybe more combative, more powerful. But um, yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> at the end of the day, I think it's one of those. You, if if we're winning games, I mean, he, he didn't change the team from um, the the previous week where we should have beaten Southampton, um, and I think it's just about building the confidence for players. I think you you possibly run the risk of of Hayden feeling like he's um, he's sort of the the backup, and and it's I think it's just encouraging to, to see Rafa sort of the man management style of it of making sure that Hayden still feels a viable part of the team. Yeah, I suppose. Interestingly for me, um, when Marino did come on, that's when we saw the best of Shelby. So Shelby started, um, and he, I wouldn't say he didn't have a poor game, no one had a poor game, but Shelby wasn't his normal self. He misplaced a couple of passes, which in itself is bizarre because he's so reliable normally with his passing. Um, 
you know, I think he passed just passed one out of play by accident, which is like the first time I've seen him do that in a long time. And then Marino comes on and Shelby starts to operate in that kind of middle third, final third of the pitch, whereas before that, um, Shelby was, you know, splitting the centre-backs, our centre-backs, picking up the ball, trying to spray passes Palace with their two banks of four, or their, fa- their four and their six, made that basically impossible. So, uh, you know, I don't think Hayden necessarily did anything wrong yesterday. Uh, I can't, you know, think of anything. He just wasn't in the game enough. And I think Norman, who who was, isn't able to make the, the podcast today, were, you know, watching the match with him and standing next to him, were both saying from goal kicks when Shelby was picking the ball up in between the two centre-backs, or even if it was just general play, Hayden was a little bit lost. Whereas when Marino came on and Marino assumed that position, Shelby was then demanding the ball from Marino and were further up the pitch and were able to move the ball quicker. So, But, you know, I'm sure Rafa knows what he's doing. Personally, I think Marino is such a talent. Would The, the more he is on the pitch for Newcastle United this season, the more good things will happen. It's simple as that. Yeah. Doesn't mean I don't think Hayden does not still have a massive role to play. I'm still a huge fan of his. Um, I'd much rather be going to Burnley um, with the two of them in. And I think I said, and it's not obviously not just me, but people have said that this this lad, Marino, Ben, you called it, tackles excellent. He can play the ball. Really, he can carry the ball really well. He can play brilliant through balls. When he added goals to his game, that's when the rest of the league and probably other teams in Europe will start to take notice when he starts adding goals. And here we go. Um, it was a, um, I mean, I know we've got a little bit, a little bit of luck, fortune that MacArthur heads the ball onto his head, um, but he's still he's still heading the ball towards goal. It's not that which is brilliant. It's the leap. There are three Palace defenders that he comfortably, comfortably outleaps them all. Yeah. Um, you know, great ball in by Richie. What is that? Three or four? Goals from corners now. Three goals from corners, is it? Lascelles, yeah. So. I'm so used to shite corners at St James's Park that it's it's unbelievably refreshing to see like we've actually a threat from corners again. Because how, how many years now has it been since? I, mean, I don't know. Robert was probably the last one who could put in a, a good corner. Robert and Solano. Yeah. Ten years of just not not being a threat from these kind of set pieces. Equally, we we seem to have a bit more height in the team now as well, which we've we've been lacking. I mean, I remember. <laughs> When it was back far, far post to big tall Mike Williamson <laughs> standing at the the massive six, six foot or whatever it was like, I've actually got a few like six six or six two six threes in there. Like Marino was a big big lad, so uh, and, and Lascelles obviously the two that have been getting the goals like that were, were going to be a threat. I'm pleased you mentioned Lascelles there. You know, uh, War Flags did a fantastic display um, before the game, so congratulations to them. And I think I think he's actually mentioned it. Uh, in his post-match interview, so I'm pleased he's feeling the love. It was a really good idea. Um, I, I, it's probably because he was injured last season that he maybe didn't play his best football as good as we know he can do. But I, I still think that's. I think he got a lot of un, unfair criticism last season. But that's last season. Never mind. Um, what what I noticed him yesterday with against the likes of Townsend and Zahar is how is how quick he was. Mm, yeah. I think he actually. There was one tackle, I think it was first half, where Zahar on the left-hand side yeah. towards the Melbourne stand looked like all day him. he was going to burn him, get away, and Lascelles got there, comfortably made the slide tackle. Mm-hmm. Really good. Ben, do you, do you back these Lascelles for England calls, or do we just not care? <laughs> I thought you said Lejeune then. I was like, yeah, yeah. fully. We'll come on get him, him next. Get him signed up. <laughs> Who Make sure he's got a, like, a fake uh, English nana or something like that. <laughs> um, 
I mean, it's probably we've, we've we've talked about it before, and I think it's probably still a bit early. And to be honest, I think it will put put a lot of pressure on him uh, unnecessarily. Having said that, I think he's a big character. He it, he seems to be the type of lad that wouldn't it wouldn't make make that bigger impact to him. I think he's he's got a good head on his shoulders. He seems to always speak really well, says all the right things. So, um, I mean, you look at the the, the players he's against, and you you say he's, he, on his performances at the minute, he's he's by no means being embarrassed by anyone. There's not anyone that you would think is way out of his league and much better than him. So I, I don't. I, I think it's a fair question to be asking in terms of if he carries on playing the way he is. It, I think the only issue will come, and I think going back to what you were saying there about his struggles last season is he's not a brilliant ball player and centre-back. And you think about when the England performances the other, the other week, like that's where we lacked any sort of real sort of ability. Although, having said that, Joss, Joss Stones, War Joss, <laughs> uh, the the best centre back playing defender in the world, didn't look particularly uh, brilliant at times either. Ball but yeah. sorry, yeah, boy. But I, I mean, it's probably a bit early. I think he's he's got to um, do it over a longer sustained period. I think it, if he's still playing at this level at the end of the season, then definitely uh, get him on that playing Gareth. But um, I I don't know. I think it's a bit early from yet. So I'm impressed are you by Florian Lejeune, and he's is he now a cemented his place out of Kieran Clark, do you think? Yeah, there's no way you can drop him off the back of those two performances, b- apart from the penalty at Southampton, which is a bit unlucky. Um, he's been he's been class, hasn't he? Um, we got a bit carried away after the after the Spurs game when he played. What did he play? Like Forty minutes. Twenty. Twenty. I don't know. Thirty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it felt it felt like it. He played less than a half, but we thought he was so good that he was just like destined to be like our best defender in years. And now I'm convinced of that. Having watched two two full games of him. Um, he just he just is. Um, I'm just been talking about Lascelles, but I think he's just a superior footballer to all of them. He's clearly just like a. He's he's got an. Does he has he played international? Oh, no, no. Don't know. But he's 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 got that kind of, just, top top playerness about him. I don't know what the word is. He just he looks like a proper top division player when we we've got a team kind of made up of, of of young lads and championship players. Lejeune is like the fin the the finished article already we've, we've actually signed just a quality footballer um, I like Kieran Clark. I think he's been he's been brilliant so far um, but at this level you just want someone like Lejeune to just kind of steady the defence and I think we would, the, the first thing on our shopping list in the in the summer was like a, a solid centre half we've definitely got that he should just play more games um, and that's, we've talked about it before the strength and depth of the squad you know, you've got the likes of um, Clark um and Bemba, um, the loads of them really. That like if they started on Monday, no one would particularly like, no. like worried or, or taken their back. Back. Ben, do you want to make the case for um, Mitrovic starting? <laughs> um, <laughs> just I do. I, I've seen a few things on Twitter saying that he should be starting. I mean, I think we we said it last week. I think it was myself actually brought it up saying, um, for. Um, Hosselu up top. Um, there's probably only so many games he's going to get away with where he doesn't really have a big impact. He was very, very quiet against Southampton and didn't really um, offer too much. I mean, I think he's he's a really good target man. He puts him, he he puts pressure on on the the opposition defenses to that they know they're in a game when he's playing because he, he'll challenge them um, in the aerial battles and things. And he, he brings other players into play and holds up really well. Um, but it's just that I think it's what we 
accused Mitrovic of in the past is he, he doesn't seem to be getting in the right areas to score the goals. He, he, that's two games now, including the Palace one yesterday as well, where he's not had a, a chance. He's not really had a kick at, at sight of goal, and you just think you, we need we need people in the box. I mean, it's all right. We're, obviously, we're, while we're a threat from um, set plays, we're always gonna gonna have that sort of potential chance of a goal. But actually, in games, if we're not not sort of getting that opportunity. We need to at least be getting getting people into the box and in areas where we're, we're going to give ourselves chances. We've we've had a couple of games now where that's not been showing. Now, yes, I think Mitrovic came on against West Ham. Um, could have scored twice. Did did score. Um, we'll not talk about the the other issue, but I just think in terms of a playing a playing same sort of side of things, he, he looked like hungry. He he came on and and realised his his chances are. Are probably going to be minimal at the minute, and he, and he but he made the most of, of his opportunity. So I think if you can see that hunger from him, and and if he can um, sort of come in and, and contribute, that there is a player in there that that can have a an impact on the team. And I don't think any player should feel like they're they're guaranteed to start. And I think you maybe got, I mean, not that he's thinking this, but Hosselu, if he carries on playing and not scoring, he's going to be thinking, well, if I'm not even scoring, I'm I'm guaranteed to, to and I'm still playing. I'm I'm basically, um, it sort of takes takes the the challenge out of his um, sort of mindset, I think. So it's it's good that uh, Mitrovic, when he does get his opportunities, he comes on and and, and does does a job. I mean, he, he came on yesterday. Okay, he didn't really have any chances and, and didn't do anything, but he was still on the pitch when we scored. And it coincided with our, you know, Mitrovic coming on like the other lads coincided with the best well, spell. The game on, yeah, and I mean, so that brings me nicely on a big Modi Amesai. Something back there. Yeah, I don't, I don't, who who was having this conversation a few weeks ago about whether Modiama should be coming back at number ten? Um, me, <laughs> the only ones having it, um, except for Rafa as well. Clearly, uh, ah, he was class, wasn't he? Um, just, just he gave her just uh, something else. Um, Perez again, just he yeah, had just had another one of his one of his quiet games where he just couldn't get a hold of the ball, just didn't really do much. And it, I don't think Perez is is that effective in a game where you've got 10 men behind the ball all the time which is what we basically was up against you need someone who's going to be a bit more direct and that's what um, that's what Diame gave us he was just a bit more just, direct just to give Perez a slight a slight some slight credit I think Diame benefited from the fact that Perez had done all the running around if that yeah, makes sense yeah. Perez had done that kind of running around job and burnt himself oh. out and Diame was able to come on against tired legs and and he was excellent. I'll pass it back to you there. Sorry, just want to point that out. No, but he just he was he was he was we were more direct by that point in the game, wasn't it? Those last fifteen minutes, we were, we were looking for the goal, and he was just the perfect player to have in there, like running at the channels, taking taking it forward, really positive, and just um, playing the number ten role, which is what he did. He did well for us last year. You you know he didn't he didn't set the world alight, but he he can play that position and he can play it well, where he's kind of he's just he's linking up everything and he's 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 running the at defenders with the ball like just just, just really pleased that he, he's had that impact I think as well you look at the substitutions that came on Marino Diame Mitrovic all powerful players yeah. especially for the game plan that Rafa so would you, you're right he'd gone for the more mobile team I think in terms of Hayden um, Perez not so much Oslo but I think obviously he, he is a bit more maybe got a bit more um, mobility about him than, than say Mitrovic those players were on there to tire Palace out and then we brought on the power the power players on towards the end when we started to go a bit more direct, started to get more of a, a presence up the field and players that could hold up the ball and, and and sort of work work them out, strengthen them. I mean, 
against Kabai. Um, Diarme, like, Kabai's not going to be able to do anything, especially on a yellow card as well. Yeah. It was just a, a really good um, decision, I thought, to bring them on and, and challenge them a different way than they've been used to all game. So I think that was a, a sort of a master stroke from Rafa. And he obviously, he's got a plan. And he's obviously, I think, the way he's approaching games, he seems to sort of dissect the game up and say, right, we're going to play this game plan. We're going to sort of run around, tie them out, and then we'll bring on the sort of the big lads towards the end and go a bit more direct once they've they've tied out a bit and those plays are, are, can make a bit more of an impact. Um, I mean, that's what Palace sort of were relying on, I think, in terms of their, their pace with um, Townsend and, and Zaha. They were hoping that they, they would get in behind where they used their pace, but actually we, we combated that with, with Hayden and, and um, Perez doing a lot of graft sort of defensively. And then once, once that threat had been nullified, it was a case of, right, we're going to take the game to them and, and, and just sort of bully them, really. I'm pleased you mentioned Kabai and the yellow card there because I don't actually know what you have to do to get sent off against Newcastle. <laughs> I mean that was an absolutely disgraceful challenge. Um, the ball was the ball the ball was the ball had gone two weeks ago. Do you know what I mean? The, the ball was gone. He was not trying to play the ball there. Um, you know, Yedlin's on a standing foot on his left leg and he scissors he's, he scissors him either side late, reckless, high, just everything. All of the things you think about that are a red card. I think that that. Tackle ticks the boxes, the boxes and, and, and control. Yeah, I think people are right to say that. Sorry, yourself included there. Like that, Shelvia Mitrovic. It's like you know, Straight it's like prison right, ship, yeah. prison ship to Australia <laughs> stuff. Like it's one where the ref's already got the card out. He doesn't even have to like think about it. He's just, I, I don't know what the fuck he was playing at. It's mental. Uh, you know, I think it was eighteen minutes into the game or something, and it's quite early. And we noticed like when when he gave the foul. The ref sprinted over, yeah. like ah, which almost set all of the players off. Like yeah. I don't know what the ref's doing there. Like I mean, we, I think we said at the time, like he, he sprinted towards him as if like expecting it to be a massive kickoff, and it was the type of thing that you you like the ref does when he's going to send someone. Yeah. off. he gets in there straight away to try and calm everyone down, and I think he obviously he obviously that acknowledged how bad a tackle it was because he realised the players are going to fucking go for Kabaye yeah, after that, and then to give him a yellow was just an absolute force. I know. You know, Towns, I mean, all of Palace's players had quiet games. Just really quickly on Palace, I'm just trying to find the right word here. The decision to take off Zahar by Hodgson was bizarre. <laughs> like, really, like their most dangerous player, loads of pace. We're going to be pushing for the win. Maybe he was injured, maybe he's not fully fit, but yeah, I was really pleased to see him make that substitution. Yeah. Um, thanks, Roy. <laughs> we'll give you that one. Um, you know the the results in the end is uh, is what's most important. You know we had fifty five percent possession yesterday, so it's is it the first game this season that we've won possibly when having more of the ball than an opponent. Um, you know Stoke, West Ham, even uh, Swansea all dominated possession against uh, Liverpool, obviously for the in Southampton. So we've ta- we've ticked a few boxes with that win yesterday, um, in my opinion, and uh, you know with I th- you kind of get the feeling that. Bournemouth, who had a great result yesterday at Stoke, have seen we've be kicking on after a very slow start. That's the next home game. Um, I kind of get the feeling Bournemouth will probably have more possession than us as well. So uh, we might see a, rever- a reversion back to what we know with Perez's pressing being really important and Hossley being in the game a little bit more as, as purely as a as a target man. Um, but you know, West Ham are probably the only really terrible terrible team we've seen this season. Um, you know, even Palace, despite their league position, great result last week. 
looked like a competent team, well, well drilled, well organised, which is what they're always going to be under Hudson. Um, funny moment, and this is the effects of alcohol. Um, Norman at the start of the game was just convinced Dwight Gill was playing, and it took a good three, four minutes of conversation to be like, he's not, he's not on the pitch, mate. <laughs> Dwight Gill is not, he's not even the squad. Never mind on the pitch, and it was Perez. He's like, who's that baldy bloke down there? Well, there isn't one. There isn't like he has hair. And, and, and Gail's not bald either. Yeah, yeah. Like it was just, it was just a very, you know, poor Norman not here to defend himself. <laughs> um, by the way, if you haven't uh, read his match report on the True Faith website, please do. I'll put it in the description of the podcast. Um, really, really. I'll put out all of Norman stuff's brilliant, but this uh, another great, great uh, write up from from Norman, uh, who's travelled back to London last night uh, after the game. Lads, um, I think we've just about gone through everything. Have we? Is there anything else you you want to touch on? No, I don't remember that much of the game. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there isn't that much to remember. Yeah. Side, so I've I've watched I've watched highlights and some of the things that have been included as highlights. <laughs> um, just just I suppose um, it was a really positive uh, result in terms of like Shelby, Richie, and Atsu. They all had all right games, but but they were all probably a little bit quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, which is again positive to be winning games when your main players aren't firing on all yeah. cylinders, um, and just you know I think Atsu's chance in the first half, we've which is probably the only chance in the first half when he's hit the side net and he's it's kind of nice to see he's learnt a little bit there from you know the previous chances when he's when he's been in like that he's held on the ball too long and then we've ended up getting goal kicks or corners at best he took that at the right time really early and it was a really good shot but uh, you know. All of the players. It was a tough one, wasn't it? It was, it was going to take something special to beat the keeper from that, that position. One thing I'd say is that I've seen a few people mention this morning. Well, it was it was a bad performance, and what if what if we'd lost it one 0 or hadn't scored? It's like how how negative do you have to be? How negative do you have to be to say that when you know to be saying what if what if we lost one 0 when a team hasn't had a shot against you? Like <laughs> you can't say what if we got what if you know could have easily lost that game one 0 when the other team hasn't hasn't tested the keeper. You know, some some games going to be like that's a Premier League. Every game is going to be tight, and you know, there's no what if we lost one 0 like they didn't. I suppose the I, I'm not making my point, but I suppose the more pertinent question would be what if we lost, what if we drew nil nil. Yeah. So would you, what would your response be to that? I think it'd be it'd be, it'd be a disappointing result. I mean, Southampton was a disappointing draw in the end, but we wouldn't have said that before the game. Um, I don't know. In in my preview, I said we'd win three 0 but I also said that um, Palace are a team to be respected. They have got some good players, and they've got a new manager who's kind of reorganised them a bit. It wasn't going to be like a a route. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just <laughs> thought I just. Not a route for this team. <laughs> I th- you know if we if we'd got a goal earlier, I think we would have opened them up. You know, the, we'll, <laughs> we had to work hard for the goal. I thought if we'd got one earlier, and we didn't really have yeah. much, we only had one shot in the first half really with that two, but. Um, yeah, if we, if we'd got the goal earlier, it would have opened them up a bit. But nil um, nil, it would have been disappointing. But you, you we could have understood it. I don't think it would have been a time to kind of panic or 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 have a go at the at the selection or anything. I think everything just just went the way it should have done. Yeah, fair enough. Can't I can't disagree with any of that. Um, you know, and like you said, an early goal might have made Palace come out and play a little bit more. Um, and it's nice, isn't it, that yes. Again, we'll have to emphasise early days. We're still not a quarter of the way through the season. But it's nice, isn't it, that we're now playing established Premier League teams like Palace, who spent a lot of money on their squad compared to us. I mean, you know, Van Arnholt and Schlupp, £14 million each. 
you know, more expensive than anything we had on display yesterday by an absolute mile. Kabai, you know, fourteen million pound, I think, something like that. Um, Benteke not playing, obviously. Um, but you know, Palace are coming to us, um, and they're the ones, and what we're talking about us is trying to open them up and break them down because they're the ones. They're coming to St James's Park thinking a point's a fantastic result yesterday. And, and, and he did play for a point, Hudson. He didn't get it. And then if I'm a Palace fan now, I'm frustrated um, that we went and shut up shop as much as we did. And and it didn't work out because you are always likely going to... When you have opposition players as good as the likes of Richie Marino and you give away corners um, at the end of games, there's a chance you'll concede. So, you know, we, we did what we had to do. We got the three points. And I think that I agree with you, Sai, that point about... You know, would it be it would it have been a bad team selection or a bad way to play the game if we'd have not got that goal? Um, I, I'm on your, I'm with you on this. I think it's uh, I think we did what we had to do, and when you're playing a team as defensive as that, who are playing a four six formation for a lot of the game, um, there's only so much you can do without taking great risks and leaving yourself open to the counter attack. I think as well, it's not. It wouldn't have been a bad point. I mean, yes, you think on paper at home against a Palace side that's really struggled, they've lost the first seven games. We can see why they haven't scored a goal away from home, can't you? Yeah, exactly. And I, th- I think it was always going to be a, f- a fairly scrappy affair. So I think you just had we've got a point. I still say it wouldn't have been a bad, a bad performance because as as long as you're not losing points to these teams and if, if it would have lost that would have been a travesty it would have been a really really bad result but a point against a side like that that's probably going to be in the bottom sort of six based on what we've seen so far this season um, as long as you don't like lose points to these teams we, we, we should be comfortably finishing ahead of Palace and that's amazing considering that the resources the two teams are, are dealing with like to be saying at this point yeah we'll we're I feel like we're comfortably going to finish ahead of them. It wouldn't have been a bad a bad point necessarily because I think there's going to be other games whereby it, we'll come up against um, sort of teams that have got higher, bigger ambitions. You, you you've mentioned Bournemouth obviously coming soon. Um, the the Stoke game. I mean even even Southampton to an extent. They're the games where if we if we can nick the points playing the the counter attacking um, sort of defensively solid football then. That's where this team's gonna gonna make its living and, and gonna pick up its points. So, I think as long as we're not um, losing losing, I mean, we've, we've, you've got to remember as well, we've had two results against Huddersfield and and Brighton where really we should have got points out of those games and to lose three was was really bad. So, it, I, I mean, I would have taken a point against those two teams away from home and um, I think at Palace again. It's one of those just don't lose the game, just get something out of it. Well said. Uh, yeah, a, a good deal round for for everybody listening. I'm sure, um, and we'll move on to uh, to Burnley next week. Got two podcasts for you coming up this week. I recorded the eighty eight eighty nine season review with Mark Corby and Norman Riley yesterday. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Listen, uh, that'll be up probably midweek, and then towards the end of the week, Thursday, Friday, we'll have um, you know the Burnley preview as usual. Uh, so thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, fantastic position it uh, we'll find ourselves in, and uh, we'll speak to you soon. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.